Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. What's up, Micah, man? I'm chilling, Stevie Stacks. How you doing? Doing good, my brother. I, I um I took your advice. I got the audio book. Not I never split the difference. Oh man, man, that's the book. That's the book right there. I I've been negotiating wrong all my life. And at best, I've been a, a wimp negotiator. He said wimp negotiator or something. <laughs> like that. At best, I've been that. I've never been the one to to actually win negotiations or get the best deal. You know what I'm saying? I've always been battling out of fear so that's a great a great book that you you mentioned uh on the on the podcast yes sir man yes sir yeah never split the difference it's a great book great book on negotiation tactics especially right now it's a buyer's market finally so especially right now we can we can you know we can do some things yes sir why what are we talking about what is this show micah that's on you what this show is (laughs) (laughs) i try to change it up (laughs) You are listening. So 220 what? 228, baby. 28 of your favorite Airbnb, VRBO, share economy, fun stuff, podcast in the world. And today we have a special guest. Who we got, Stevie Stacks? We have a special guest named Alex Sabio. I probably screwed that up, but he will he will correct <laughs> me in a minute. Alex is a married father of four. So from Southern California, he has invested in single-family homes, long-term rentals, multi-family syndications, and currently focuses on short-term rentals. He is in healthcare and has a passion to help other healthcare professionals invest in real estate. Welcome to the show, Alex. How you doing, bro? What's up, guys? How's it going? Really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Good. This is a special episode because Micah did the intro today. So, yeah. <laughs> I feel honored. I feel honored. <laughs> there you go. So you're in Southern Cal, man. So how, how long have you been in the real estate space and how many oh. terminals have you gotten up to? Yeah. You know, I started in real estate, uh, like early two thousands and made almost every single mistake out there. Um, <laughs> started with a bunch of long-term rentals and they were almost like revenue neutral. I didn't really make any money on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at a certain point you start, you know, wanting more for yourself, um, having different goals. And I wanted to, really start expanding the portfolio, expanding, you know, my cash flow. And I realized with long-term rentals, it just wasn't getting done, you know? And at the time, I think uh, I started really focusing in, I had, I think like 12 single family long-term rentals and uh, thought about multifamily. And I tried to get into multifamily early 2020. And we know, we all know what happened early 2020, like the economy pretty much shut down, had a bunch of deals and nobody really wanted to speak to us. Uh, because we didn't have any experience in the multifamily space. And somehow just working hard and inver- interviewing as many investors as I could kind of stumbled upon short-term rentals. So anyway, started short-term rentals uh, in like mid-2020. Uh, thought the economy was going to fall off a cliff. Everyone thought it was crazy for investing out of state in short-term rentals. At the time, a lot of people that I worked with or here in Southern California had no idea what that was. Um, and currently we have five short-term rentals, um, and we're building two more. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You said you're out of state, so you didn't invest in Cali. So where did you, uh, start your, start your short-term rental investing journey at? Where, what market did you go to? 
Yeah, so we went uh, to the big market. So we went to the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. And I'm going to let you know that I had no idea where that was. <laughs> like, people told me about it. And I said, what? Like, all these city names sounded really funny to me at the time when people were told me about Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. I had no idea what that was. And even my family, coworkers, friends here in Southern California, they had no clue. Um yeah, but that's where I'm at. I'm also in, um, here's another funny story. I told people, I'm finally getting a beach home. That was kind of like a bucket list thing for me, right? Mm -hmm. And so people are like, oh, wow, you started to make it. Where'd you get it? Like Newport Beach, Santa Monica, Venice. I said, Alabama. Alabama. And they said, <laughs> I had no idea Alabama had a beach. What are you talking about, man? But yeah, I'm in uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and I tell people, man, those markets between, I said, any market between east of Texas and west of Florida, man, it's just opportunity down there because people don't think there's anything there. And you found a hidden gem that Alabama's a hidden, hidden gem. It's the Redneck yeah. Riviera. <laughs> it is. It is. It's pretty cool owning something on the beach. I mean, we really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I think the numbers are down a little bit from um, the last two years, uh, but we're still making money. And it was like... Um, just a bucket list thing for me too, you know, just so that I could own something on the beach coming from where I came from. Um, that was inconceivable, right. To own something on the beach. And what I did is I actually 1031 exchange sold all of my long-term rentals and bought three short-term rentals there in Gulf Shores. So. Ooh. Nice. Nice. So, so you're in Southern oh. California, right? Yes. And so how far are you from the beach in Southern California? Well, I'm in the Inland Empire. So the Inland Empire is like uh, about an hour east of Los Angeles. But I would say it's about two hours or an hour and a half is probably the closest beach. An hour and a half. It'd probably take you a shorter period of time to get to Gulf Shores than to get to the beach from where you're at, right? In L.A., well, in California. I'm well, just saying I, because of the traffic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> could be. <laughs> could be. Could be. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off, Mike. Yeah, yeah, can you just explain something? Because you said you did a 1031. It's like for our listeners, can you explain what a 1031 is? And yeah, just explain what a 1031 is. Yeah, I'm trying not to mess this up. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. So um, what was happening really, like we went all in on our strategy because we saw so much money. It was like having an ATM machine print money for us. And the thing mm -hmm. is, we had our long-term rentals. They would make like, you know, two, three, 400 bucks, maybe 500 bucks a month, but every two years, you know, that tenant would move out and we'd spend five, ten thousand dollars fixing it up. And it really wasn't worth it. So we had some equity there built up. Like for example, we bought one home for $120,000 15 years ago. It was worth two hundred thousand dollars now. Um, not that much, like you know, the last few years where everything's jumping for but for me, it was like, okay, it was time for me to sell. And my accountant said, Well, you're gonna have to pay taxes on that because it's gone up in value and you've made some income. So what we did is we found a qualified intermediary and we, we wound up selling the house. So when you sell the house, you don't have to pay taxes on it just as long as you reinvest the money back into other real estate. So there you go, man. So now you bought three in Gulf Shores and then so I'm assuming you have two in the Smokies. We do. Yeah. And we're building two more in the Smokies, too. Oh, you're building them. Yeah. Yeah. We got them under like a, it's. We bought brand new construction, and that's what I've liked doing there in the Smokies. I've, I have all brand new construction, um, and we got them under contract. It's been like December 2020. So they've really taken so long to build, and that's one of the reasons why I 
I feel like they can't build fast enough out there. They just don't have enough workers. It takes them forever to build. So I got them under 2020 prices and they still haven't closed yet. So. Ooh, yeah. Cause I was going to ask you, isn't it a scary time to build right now? It is scary, right? But the thing is, like, we got them at such a low price, and it's gone up. Like, it's almost doubled from the purchase price that we got it under contract, and it's still going to cash flow really nice for us. Awesome, man. Yeah. Now, you had 12 long-term rentals. Were those in California? No. Well, okay. So the one biggest mistake I had is I invested in California. That's what I can tell you. Yeah. I, you know, I work in healthcare and I bought a house here in California, bought it near a hospital I was working near. And I said, Hey, I'll rent it out to the residents or, you know, the doctors in training. And that doesn't happen. I did. I made almost every mistake in the book. I rented it out to the first person that had Mm. cash. Mm. I listed it in a newspaper. They showed up I said, deposit $1,500. And they showed up with $1,495. And I, that should have been a clue that they were going to be an awful tenant right there. And I said, okay, it's $5 short. And then they proceed to be you know, late every single month after that, had evictions and everything. And actually, I bought that in um, 2008. I bought that in 2008. And it seemed like someone must have been watching me like the second I signed the documents to purchase that house everyone said let's just crash the market (laughs) so anyway I always tell people I don't there's no fluff with me I made a ton of mistakes um wound up having um uh foreclosure wound up filing bankruptcy from it learned a lot from it yeah yeah this is how bad of an investor I was like at the time uh my mortgage payment was like 3200 bucks and I was renting it out for 2000 bucks a month and that's if they paid right that's if they paid on time that's why I learned cash flow is king. You really do need to have enough cash flow, not only to cover the mortgage, but you need to have way more than that to so that way you can solve problems when things come arise. And that's kind of how eventually I landed into short-term rentals. See, that's that's so we've always heard about SoCal. You know, it's 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 hard to get people out if they are if they do stop paying rent, right? It can take up like up a year to get them out or, or longer. Yeah, I've heard those stories too. Fortunately, I didn't have that. I did have like um i paid them cash for keys at the time it was like i gave them 200 bucks to get out and they were so desperate that they took to the 200 and and got out but that mm. does happen here in southern california so geez or california in general i think it's pretty <laughs> um yeah not very favorable for landlords over there so there's a decide... lot of equity to make though that's the equity is the, the thing big with, play yeah that's yeah, the yeah. big play and for me that wasn't my play like i said i just had enough of that that one experience kind of bite me in the butt to say, you know what, I really need to focus in on cash flow. So I would buy like 60 to $80,000 homes, like all over the U S like in Cleveland, Houston, Durham, I was in Huntsville, Alabama. I really like that market for long-term, but, um, but yeah, I was in all these other markets. Well, you said, man, it sounds like you've been through a lot of adversity, man. Like what you just described, most people just throw in the towel. This real estate crap doesn't work. You're quitting. What made you like look at your look in the mirror and be like, okay, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I didn't even mention my first ever deal was a scam. I got scammed out of 16 grand. Right. And (laughs) my wife should have threw in the towel right there. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, this isn't it. But for some reason I, I knew real estate was, was the way to go. Um, my grandparents had invested in a lot of real estate in Los Angeles, like in the late seventies and early eighties. Nice. And for some reason, um, 
there's these sayings people there's these things people tell you that just kind of stand out and it's not like my grandma was telling me anything that I didn't know I remember buying my first house here in Southern California and it went up a hundred thousand dollars and I said in one year and she told me she said you know what I never really made good money until I started investing in real estate and this was, like I said, she wasn't telling me anything I didn't know, but for some reason it really stuck out to me. Now, this is the uh, most successful person that I knew. She owned like multiple boarding care facilities. And mm -hmm. I said, hmm, maybe I just need to stick this through and I think we'll be okay. Wow. Nice, nice. I'm glad you did. <laughs> so, that's what got <laughs> right. you to live that thrive, right? Right, right. So healthcare, you're still in healthcare. For a little bit longer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About to make the leap, huh? Hopefully soon. Yeah. My wife was also in healthcare. We're both respiratory therapists. We met in school, but like within the first three months of our first short-term rental, she was able to retire from her W-2 job right away. Like I said, we had a, we knew we had an ATM machine and we already replaced her income with one short-term rental. Mm. And I'm a firm believer. You don't need that many short-term rentals to be financially free. You just need a handful. I know some people that have three that replace their income and living very comfortably so mm. we know someone that did it with one house right Eleven thousand a month in one house i mean it's crazy oh wow yeah kent he he was on the show kent he's a bad mofo anyways look him up uh anyways um so healthcare that i'm actually uh we love hosting travel nurses anybody in the in the nursing industry we love mm -hmm. they're our favorite guests they stay for three months they pay us good uh -huh. money you know and they give us no problems so right. do you do you host a lot of travel nurses I don't, I'm in like these vacation destination awesome. markets. Yeah, um, I, I am looking, I, I know COVID has um, completely changed and uh, a lot of nurses stipends have come down, but what I can tell you working in a hospital, like a lot of them, a lot of hospitals are really hesitant to hire right now. Um, and they're, they're just staffing up with travel nurses mm. um, because I think for them, it's cheaper than hiring an actual person because you hire someone, you got to pay a pension, social security, medical benefits and everything versus having a, uh, a travel nurse, right? Come in. I talk to the travel nurses all the time, all the time. I'm a respiratory therapist and, and I talk to them all the time I'm trying to pick their brain. Like, where could I buy a house where you think you'll rent? You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I guess California pays them pretty good over there. So maybe Extremely that's, a good, well. maybe that's yeah. a good spot. Yeah. Only if you Especially only in them. Yeah. Yeah, especially the northern side, the northern Northern California pays way more than the uh, Southern California. I mean, Southern California, they're already paying a lot, but Northern California, even more so. Mm, that might be a good play <laughs> right there. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to try to rip you off and live there for, for free, right? Right. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> well, and you know, I think you're onto something because the travel nurse, they're already vetted. They've passed background checks. Um, and if you work specifically straight to the with the agencies, you could get in, you know. Mm, nice nice what agencies you know what what's crazy is i join a lot of facebook groups and like i join like travel respiratory therapy jobs and i'll just post on there hey i'm thinking about buying a home and in this area would you guys be interested and when you'll find is there's all these different recruiters that kind of hit you up and say hey uh, i'm with this agency and with this agency and if you ever get something let me know so that way uh, oh. you could keep in contract with them so that's a, like a quick little tip there that's a that's a good to know because as far as right now i guess furnish finder uh, is the biggest thing that that travel nurses use you know right 
to mm-hmm. find you know there was there was some other ones uh corporate housing by owner there were some mm-hmm. other ones that early on but those are, those are shit now because you have to pay a bunch <laughs> of money and you get zero leads i i, I, right. what I did i did one of those like about you know a few months ago it's just what the hell is this furnish yeah. finder is like 99 bucks for the whole year and then you you get a shitload of travel nurses i don't know it's the best thing out there right now that's why i was gonna pick your brain and see if there's anything better or any other any other ways to do it no, and it's not my specialty. So I I, I just pick the uh, nurses brains and stuff. But what you'll find is that, like just the Facebook groups are actually like the biggest bang for your buck there. So yeah, gypsy travel nurse. That's one of the biggest ones. Oh, so back to short term rentals. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> going into the vacation rental market, like, because most people, you know, the only thing I, I, I shied away from the vacation rental market starting off, which I sh- probably should have went in was like the huge cash you have to put down. Like in places like Gulf Shores and the Smokies, what's like a cash on cash that you guys look for to invest over there? Yeah, I, I love the Smokies because I mean, that one, we've been easily going over 50%. Those two properties, we're going over 50% cash on cash return. Mm-hmm. And the one thing too, is I make pretty good money in the hospital. Um, I tend to buy a little bit more expensive. And part of the the strategy there is... Um, for tax reasons right i haven't paid taxes in two years like Uh all zero federal income taxes in two years and so that's part of the strategy there uh gulf shores is a little bit less i'm gonna let you know that now uh at least for me Uh, and it really depends on the property you buy in gulf shores like if you have an amazing view if you have like a six bedroom i think those work extremely well where you could still easily make a 30 percent cash on cash return uh, I'm in the Gulf Shores, we're closer to 20 to 25% cash on cash return. And like I said, I'm really spoiled in the Smokies. And so like, I've been beating my head like, oh man, we're only making 20, 25%. But you know, most people are going to kill for that, right? So <laughs> <laughs> Now, what type of properties do you have in the Smokies? Um, well, we always focus in on uh, more than four bedrooms. We, we focus in on brand new construction. Um, and then the new... So my second one, I'll give you numbers, right? So my our second one, we have a four bedroom, five bath home with an indoor pool, and we purchased that for six hundred ninety thousand or six hundred eighty thousand, but it generated us one hundred forty eight thousand dollars in the first year. So, how the, the how da- the hell do you not pay taxes? Uh, well, uh, not a CPA, but uh, so my CPA, her name is Amanda Han. She's Brandon Turner's from Bigger Pockets. Oh yeah, Amanda uh, Han. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's his, uh, his CPA. I was remember listening to Bigger Pockets, and the I remember thinking there was all these political debates going on, and there was like, oh, that politician doesn't pay any in taxes, and you know, all these people were upset, and I said, well, I don't want to pay taxes either. What the <laughs> hell are they doing? You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I really, I said, okay. So my first big hire was a CPA, and I paid a lot for her, and I said okay, this is a consultation, but you know what? I'm going to retain you. And every rich person out there has a tax strategy and I don't have a tax strategy. And she's actually the one that kind of leered me into short-term rental. She was telling me, she said, hey, Alex, you know what? To claim a real estate professional, you're going to have to either buy more of these long-term rentals or I have some clients that are investing in short-term rentals because it takes more time and uh, and by the way, she threw in and they make a little bit more money. I told I tell her all the time, I said, you really should have started the conversation with my clients are making more money with short term rentals <laughs> and they get a tax break. And she would have hooked me in. But 
anyway, we use depreciation. We do a cost segregation study on our properties to help offset our W-2 incomes or my W-2 income. Smart man. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That is really cool, man. Because, yeah, you're talking about, you said it right. I mean, anybody can go <clears throat> H&R Block or do it online, do it yourself and try to save as much money as they can, right, in taxes. But you said the big word, strategy. None of them have a strategy, you know, and, and just going to her and paying her, you know, good money, you saving you saving a lot more money than what, what you paid her, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I remember when she told me how much she, uh, she would charge me and my jaw dropped. And then she goes... <laughs> Yeah, and that doesn't even include filing your taxes. I'm saying, what the hell am I doing here, man? I mean, isn't that what this is all about, right? So it's not about filing the taxes. It's about strategy. Anyone could plug in the numbers. That's the easy part. Anybody could do that. You could pay anyone that, to do that. You could do TurboTax or whatever. But really, it's changing your mindset. And you need to buy this because of this law that you can exploit or loophole, whatever you want to call it. So. Mm. Also, what I heard, uh, you like four bedrooms and up. Why do you like the bigger houses? Uh, that's me and my style. Um, kind of jealous of some of the people that have one bedroom sometimes because their occupancy is through the roof. <laughs> but for me, like we host typically two to three families. And coming out of COVID, that's what we saw. We saw like there was multiple families that were staying there. Um, and when there's multiple families, you can charge a lot more. I mean, you're talking in the summertime, each one of our homes was uh, generating like a thousand bucks a night. And when you're offsetting that between 12 people, uh, you know, it's cheaper than staying at, you know, different places or a hotel. Mm -hmm. So, and they get a better experience. So and that's what, uh, yeah. So all the listeners out there, I want you guys to really understand what he just said. If you, if you're in a vacation rental market, it's better to go bigger like that because people are vacationing to that area. So that is one reason why I definitely want to look into that vacation rental markets because I'm in the metro markets and the cash on cash is nothing like you guys have. You know, the VR is like you pay to play, but you get it back. So I love right. the strategy. It's interesting because I want to get in your market, you know, <laughs> I think that's what we always do. We always think the grass is greener on the other side, but I think diversification is really good. You know, uh, like I could have kept going in the Smokies, but I kind of wanted to diversify out. I'm here in Southern California. I wish I could figure out the LA market. I'm sure you've had tons of guests there that, you know, do something in these major metropolitan markets. One thing with me is I'm so scared of regulation. That's kind of why I don't invest primarily in um, Southern California or California. Like uh, my homes, like I'll give you an example. One of them um, uh, in Tennessee, I mean, it's pretty lax. You know, I mean, for them to ban short-term rentals would be stupid. Their economy would completely collapse. Mm -hmm. And we even have a Facebook group um, that someone in our community created. And I know every single owner in my community. And we all help each other. So you're, we're, we're not having to worry about the neighbor next door complaining about us. So. Mm -hmm. See, and it's funny. You said you wanted to come to our market and our market's trying to ban it. So, right. <laughs> grass ain't greener over here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but Nashville, I mean, I hear Nashville's pretty strict. Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. I'm not in Nashville. I mean, um, that's what I hear too. Uh, Nashville. I'm in the, uh, the Smokies, like two, three hours away. Um, so, but yeah, that's what I'm hearing too with Nashville. That's good, man. Um, cool. So, why all the plants behind you? Plants? I got plants. 
<laughs> on the other side. Oh, it's like a, is it a, that's your really oh, house. Here. That's your house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's just My a stupid house. question. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're fake, by the way. Or oh, actually over here, this is uh, on the window. This is my daughter. Uh, she loves uh, like succulents. So. Oh, nice. I put those in my units. That's pretty dope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you had talked about um earlier, well, you, you did tons of mistakes and you said you had revenue neutral properties, just properties that just made zero dollars. Yeah, right. And I think um, there people always want this spectrum where, where can I put the least amount of money and make the most, uh, you know, amount of money or with the least amount of work, it doesn't really work that way. You know, what I find is the harder you work, the more money you're going to get. And so I would invest like in these turnkey single family homes and they wouldn't make any money. If anything, I was losing money. I mean, it looked cool on paper that you had all these homes, but to be honest with you, at the end of the day, we're breaking even because like I said, like a lot of times you might be cash flowing a couple grand, uh, like your whole portfolio, but you know, a year or six months later, someone's moving out or you have an eviction and they're taking all your money back that you just earned. Mm. So, but yeah, we weren't making much money on those. At one point we did buy some homes in Cleveland we paid cash for them. I think they're like 50,000, 70,000 or something like that. So no mortgage. We're thinking revenue is going to be great, but that's the problem. You're going to have your biggest cost, which is turnover. Mm. Now, what if you would have turned now? Did you, did you 1031 your entire portfolio? Um, slowly after you like, really like I would have done better if I did it like right off the bat. And I should have burned the ships, burned the boats right off the bat, right? But initially it was like, okay, we we slowly got into it. Um, and then there was some markets that were, we were kind of attached to. Like I had one long-term rental um, in Durham, North Carolina, and I was renting it out to a, a nurse and she'd been there for 15 years. And, and it was like one of my first investment properties and it was cash flowing like three, $400 a month. And I really liked it. Uh, but the thing is, what I did is I did a calculation on return on equity. I was like, okay, we got like $150,000 in equity here, and it's generating us $3,000 a month in profit. Mm -hmm. And here I am in the Smokies generating a 50% cash on cash return. So my mind's thinking, can I invest $150,000 and get a 50% return on this? So that's when I did the 10, that's when I slowly started like selling away a lot of my uh, long-term rentals. So. Have you ever thought about turning some of those, like, I don't know if you have still have any, but would you have ever thought about turning some of those into short-term rentals as long as the regulations were in place and you were good? Because I mean, uh, yeah. no mortgage, if you're making what, well, you still would make smoking money. You'd make like three grand profit a month. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. consider that? I, I did. Um, now looking back at it now, maybe one or two of them would have been okay. Um, I own homes in Cleveland and here's the thing. I'm the one Asian Southern California Cleveland Browns fan you will ever meet, right? And I, oh, and I own, right, right. You, you won't find it. Guaranteed, put money on it. And um, I'm upset every year, football season. So don't talk to me. It's football season. Don't worry, Deshaun Watson is going to save the team. Oh my gosh. Don't get me started with that <laughs> but, um, but here's the thing like, I own homes in Cleveland. And I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. I never wanted to go to Cleveland. Oh, that's wow. that was my that's the way I viewed it. And those homes weren't really in vacation markets. And at the time, we were investing in vacation markets. So I wasn't even thinking at the time, like maybe rent to a travel nurse or do a corporate <laughs> rental or something like that. And they were 
really in like C class neighborhoods where I yeah. didn't think they would thrive. So mm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah just like the team. The team doesn't do well. <laughs> the short term Reynolds probably not gonna do well. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, even LeBron left, I mean, a couple of times, right? <laughs> but he's here in LA, man. I love LeBron, so I'm a big LeBron James fan. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a bad dude, man. And uh, he's gonna be the, the first sports billionaire. Is he the first sports billionaire? While playing, yeah. While playing. Yeah, while playing. yeah, yeah. Oh man. Um so four bedrooms, four so that, that's that's the thing though. You you're doing the bigger houses and you, and you say you're jealous of people doing the one bedrooms, but I mean why have a hundred or you know, twenty one bedrooms you could have or you could have one or a, a couple of four bedrooms pumping out the same amount of money or more. I mean, it seems like a better yeah. strategy. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. That's pretty much why, why I did what I did. Um, and at the time, because at the time I wasn't even thinking about scaling because um, we're self-managing our short-term rentals from a distance. Um, so I didn't want to have like 20 short-term rentals or 20 guests, right? And at the time, I my mind couldn't think past that. I mean, now I probably can because we've scaled our systems we started building systems uh we have virtual assistants now that can help us with the process so i wouldn't mind the one bedroom here and there it's really about return at the end of the day so now i'm happy you said you scaled up your systems so now what does your team consist of for you to run all your short-term rentals remotely well, my wife retired, um, you know, and so she started doing a lot of the day-to-day -day operations, like guest communications and stuff like that. Um, and we have a couple of virtual assistants. Um, and that's something new to us, right? Um, I tell people, you know, having um, short-term rentals is much more of a business than it is real estate. And the, the problem a lot of short-term rental hosts have, it's imagine if we all own kitchens and we're all cooks in the kitchen but all of us have the menu inside of our heads, right? And the, the problem with that is if you were to ever hire another chef, you're screwed because the menu is all in your head and you haven't written it, wrote it down on paper. So now we use Asana and we have systems for everything. Like, hey, like uh, once a week, check the door locks to make sure that the battery is above 33%. That's a really simple task that a virtual assistant could do. Or once a week, hey, check to make sure the calendar's are in sync or once a week check to make sure pricing is okay. And, you know, I mean, there's definitely all of this automation software that could help you out, but having another person in there, uh, like I said, writing that menu down, giving them the playbook uh, makes it so much easier. And now we feel like we could blow the business up because now we have the manpower and the fact that we wrote the menu down, we feel like we can hire different people on here. So that way they're successful and help us out. Oh, you said Asana. I haven't started using Asana or Monday.com yet. But what? Oh, I think someone's serious. That was me. Sorry. Okay. Uh, what, uh, what, uh, what other systems do you use to like, run your day-to-day -day besides Asana? Uh, we use Guessy for Hosts. I know you guys uh, pumped them up. Um, so we use Guessy for Hosts as our property uh, management software. Um, we use Price Labs uh, for our... Um, uh, what's dynamic called dynamic pricing. pricing. Mm -hmm. uh, our cleaners have different types of uh, what's called systems to help sync our calendars. So that way that's automated. Um, and the one thing I do is I tend to put QR code. So I use something called flow code, uh, flow code.com. They're not paying me for that. But um, <laughs> so what I do is like in these vacation markets, I'm gonna let you know right now, when people go on vacation, they lose their mind. They don't know how to operate the most simplest stuff. 
So I'll have a QR code near wherever I say hotspot. Like I'll say the hot tub is a hotspot because most likely the guest is not going to know how to operate that hot tub. And mm -hmm. so there'll be a, uh, a QR code that links them to a video of me operating the hot tub. Mm -hmm. And so that that's actually been very helpful for us. Uh, we find that, you know, that guests aren't calling us as much. And actually, you'll see how many views you get. You're like, oh, people are watching our hot tub video or something like <laughs> that. So, Maybe they thought yeah. it was going to be something else altogether. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's why they dislike the video. So, <laughs> I mean, unless you're in you know, a little speedo, who knows what you're doing in the hot tub video. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I want to know, okay. And, and, you know, you spilled your heart earlier. You said you went through bankruptcy. It's a tough situation, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, so how'd you go from that? To actually being able to buy houses again, I mean, everybody. Do you, I mean, do you buy them cash, or did did you were you able to get financing again? What happens after that? I went to work, man. I went to <laughs> work, right? And so here's the thing: like, I tried like penny stocks. I tried all these little things, investing in the stock market. I wish I would have gotten crypto. I never got into crypto. I think <laughs> I would have been okay with that. But you know, really, um, I, I in healthcare, there's so much. You could work as much as you want. Uh, especially as a respiratory therapist, they were just always short staff. And that's the one thing with me. I'm not the smartest dude, but I have like a really strong work ethic and there's no substitute to work. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I was working five, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Um, and I was just pumping it out and I was getting myself ready, you know? So from like 2013 to 15, um, for five years, I was just saving up had I known what I know now, I would have just started buying earlier, but that's really what it was. I say, saved up all my money and real estate's very, very forgiving. Like I had, when I filed for bankruptcy, I'm gonna let you know that I, I had all these homes and some of them, the banks didn't want, mm -hmm. they're like, they're upside down. I was like, please take them. And they're like, we don't want that crap. <laughs> like, they're like, you owe a hundred grand on that. That's only worth 50 grand. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I'll keep it. But like I said, real estate is really forgiving. I kept a lot of those homes through the bankruptcy and they went up slowly uh, um, in equity over time. And so that's where the 1031 exchange came in. So, Yeah. And that was uh, definitely a, a crazy time in, a, in our economy because, you know, 2008, everybody was turning all the keys into the banks, right? They right, ran out of right. key holders for all the keys. It's crazy. They didn't want them. Um, and so yeah. now, yeah, now those houses are worth over a million. Uh, right. Well, you bought them in, in Southern California. Um, and, so, and even that home that foreclosed on, like had I kept it, it would have like doubled in value still. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's really forgiving. Even if I um, like just paid the mortgage out or whatever, or even had I thought about vacation rentals at the time, because there really was no laws against it at the time, because nobody mm -hmm. heard about it in like early 2000 or 2010, somewhere around there but I could, I should have like flipped it into travel nurses and stuff like that, but wasn't really thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. No, nobody was thinking at that time. Um, so, so you, you say you went to work, you started saving money, you turned out, you turned around your uh, finances. Now, do you, is that part of the strategy? You said you were buying um, single family homes cash. Yeah. I, what we did is we borrowed from our 401k um, okay. a couple of times. Uh, I think you could borrow up to $50,000 depending on your 401k. And so, like I said, we were working like crazy. I would save like one year I saved like 20 grand saving. Right. Um, and um, we borrowed 50k and we bought a house for 70k. And then we just snowballed it. Like it was, you know, cranking out like five, $600 a month profit. 
And then it worked out pretty good. And then we wound up borrowing from my wife's 401k and kind of did the same thing over again. And then we started snowballing and then I bought another one, kind of like the same thing. So nice. Mm-hmm. And what do you feel about this current market? I'm always buying. I'm always buying, but I'm really cautious now. Uh, that's the one thing. I'm really cautious. I have like a lot more knowledge now. Um, I would be like two years ago, you could have bought anything in the Smokies and it would have cash flowed. You can't do that anymore. There's no way. But the one thing is too, I mean, I'm I'm buying because part of the strategy is so that way you don't pay taxes. And like the first year we got a $41,000 refund, right? Even if the property just didn't make any money at all the tax refund made it worth it and we pretty right and then the second year we got back pretty much the same thing so it's like part of the strategy is okay can i at least make a little bit of money here too i mean i look for a minimum of 20 25 cash on cash return but to be honest with you even if we're around 15 percent with the tax strategy it would be worth it true Mm. Tax strategy is huge, man. Like I was at my mentor's conference about two weeks ago and he's getting cashed out 2 million for his tax return. I was like, my <laughs> God, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> yeah, so, now you, you said something very important. You said now you can't just buy everything nowadays because, you know, interest rates are sky high, you know, mm-hmm. so you got to be careful. What markets are you looking at and what kind of deals are you buying? Well, it's interesting because I, I'm pretty much financially free now, right? I kind of hit my goal. Um, a big part of it now is what else can I do? Can I help others along the way? And so that's the other thing I'm helping teach others kind of how to get into short-term rentals. A lot of them are medical professionals because they see me in the hospital. So that's kind of the my passion project. Um, I could keep purchasing short-term rentals, but I think uh, number one, helping others along the way and teaching them is going to be my passion. But can I scale it up bigger uh, and buying hotels and motels, like boutique mm-hmm. motels? So that's kind of like where my next like um, step is right now. It's way difficult, though, way difficult. But, you know, I think we'll get it done. So. Do you now? Do you find that no map? You brought it up the difficulty. It is difficult. Do you find that as a safer investing model right now with, you know, interest rates being high and got kind of guaranteed cash flow over there? I with me, I've inter I've interviewed enough people that own hotels and motels, and they tell me how much money they're generating. And I'm like, okay, I think if I follow their playbook, I think I can. And if you have enough, I guess, rooms and and, and um, you know doors to help offset that, I think you're going to be okay. And if you buy it right, no matter what the deal is, if you buy it right and it's cash flowing, I think you're going to be okay. So, gotcha. Now I do, I do. Um, you mentioned something, something cool. So you want to get with, um, with traveling, you know. Tra- uh, I'm sorry, just uh, medical professionals, right? Yeah. And and, and get bring them into the short term rental world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now <clears throat> I'm working on this thing. I need to get with you because I think we we have a good symbiotic relationship with this thing, and, mm-hmm. and it's called Travel Nurse House Swap. And here's my here's my reasoning behind it. Because these travel nurses are flying all over the place, right? And mm-hmm. and a lot of times, you know, there's like, hey, I only want to pay fifteen hundred bucks a month and have a, you know, all, all bills paid, whatever, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, actually, over here, you can't even rent something for fifteen hundred bucks a month. I don't know how you're gonna get that. He goes, well, the thing is, I got a mortgage back home to pay. I got mm-hmm. an apartment back home to pay. I got a condo back home to pay. I'm like, why are they renting these things out, man? And yeah. so and so that's 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 what I was. That's why I came up with that travel nurse house swap. 
yeah. uh, where they could, you know, hop on there and rent out their places as they're traveling and doing their thing. And yeah. so it's still, it's hard to get off the ground. A new idea yeah. is hard to get off the ground, but I need to work yeah. with you. I need to get with you. You're yeah. in the industry. Let's, <laughs> let's do this, man. Yeah. They need more education because whenever I tell them, they get scared. They're like, no, I don't want people staying in my house. And I'm, <laughs> and then I tell them, don't you want an extra $3,000 a month or whatever it is? But they're so worried about it. Like what happens if, you know, the, uh, the sink, you know, clogs or whatever, and I need to call a plumber in the middle of the night. But the thing is, when you start showing them what you're doing, I'm like, hey, I'm managing this 2000 miles away, then they start getting the light bulb when they start seeing other people do it. But yeah, it's really just I think it's an amazing idea because nurses tell me that all the time. I, I have a home, you know, you know, because here in Southern California, they can uh, a lot of places they're making two to three times more than what they're making back home. Mm -hmm. And so what they'll do is they'll they'll travel here for 13 months or something like that and then go back home after that. And I know I know one nurse, he worked for half the year because he knew that he would work the whole year making the same amount of money. And so there's that whole six months where his house is empty, where he could easily be renting it out. But yeah. I think you're onto something there, man. It just yeah. takes a little bit of education for people. And I think uh, people aren't, here's the weird thing about medical professionals. I don't know if you guys don't know, they aren't thinking about stuff financially like this. And uh, like uh, a, a lot, it's weird to me because there's a lot of doctors investing in short-term rentals in mm -hmm. vacation markets. And for me, before like starting my journey in this, I'm thinking, oh, they're balling, you know, they're making like two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, but a lot of them don't have that financial um, background where they're not even thinking about that. They're focused on taking care of their patients. And so they never really set themselves up for mm. like retirement or anything. But so the, the medical community definitely needs a lot more educating in that. So and that's where that's where I'm trying to come in. I'm trying to just, all I'm doing is just, I'm just sharing my story. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So me and you, we can, we can do, we can move mountains together, man. I know, <laughs> I know what Alex um, says. So that's the thing. Travel nurse house swap. I even made it where it sounds like, Hey, you know, a, a fellow travel nurse could stay at your house while you're over here. You can make money. And then right. someone you trust that's in the same industry. Come on, let's do this. And it's still, <laughs> right, right very hesitant they're very hesitant i might have a few that are like oh sounds like a good idea it doesn't go past that but I, it's, this is new and i know yeah. it's, it's it's hard to get i mean you know like amazon off the ground right he sold, he sold books up first i think right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah me and you should talk after the show yeah yeah let's do it and also going back you know you say so many cool things on that how, how does how does the cost, please break it down, how the cost segregation works. I always hear like millionaires do this, billionaires do this, Donald Trump does this. He goes and buys a property, picks it yeah. apart with the cost segregation, pulls all the money back out, uses that money, adds debt on that and buys another thing. And he never pays taxes. How does that freaking work? Yeah. And short-term rentals are kind of special because there's a little bit of a loophole there. Um, not a CPA. So don't take my <laughs> advice. Remember, I filed for bankruptcy once. So call Amanda Hahn. Amanda call Hahn. Amanda Hahn, right? <laughs> so really what we're doing is we're taking depreciation uh, and we're using that to help offset uh, our W-2 income. And short-term rentals are special because if you document it right, you can use those uh, that money to help offset your W-2. Now, normally with uh, when you're trying to write off losses, uh, the IRS is going to deem that as um, as passive income, and you're not going to be able to offset your W-2 income. The difference is with short-term rentals, you can do that because typically if you're renting your house out 
for an average of less than seven days, you can use that depreciation to help offset your W-2. So here's an example, right? So I bought my first short-term rental for $625,000. I paid $1,000 to get a cost segregation study done. So what he did is he took all the depreciation uh, and uh, we're able to depreciate uh, over $207,000 within the first year, right? And we don't have that much income from the short-term rental. So what we did is we documented it properly. So where we, let's say if you only made $150,000 in your W-2 income, you have over $200,000 writing uh, use as a write-off to help offset your W-2 income. So then it looks like you're not making any income. For me, I, I like to claim single and zero at my W-2 job. So I like big tax returns because when I get big tax returns, I get to do big things at the end of the year uh, mm -hmm. when I get that big check. So, and it's kind of like a weird problem because now I take that $41,000 refund and I buy another short-term rental with it, do the same exact strategy, have more cash flow and have more tax deductions, but you're kind of in this weird spot where you have to keep buying homes. <laughs> it's like this weird, good problem to have, I guess. So anyway, that's that's really what my strategy has been. That's awesome. Who do you call to do a cost segregation on your property? You got to get a cost segregation expert. For me, uh, my guy is Yona Weiss with Madison Specs. Uh, that's who I use. Uh, before I got into short-term rentals, I was studying a lot in multifamily. And when you look at multifamily and commercial buildings, that's the strategy. Everyone's buying these big buildings and getting like a million, two, three, four million dollar, um, you know, deduction. Um, and they all talked about cost segs. And so I took that same exact, principle that I learned and I went to short-term rentals and applied the same exact thing. So. Mm. Now, now, why the hell would the government let people do that? I'm just wondering, the government's not the brightest, right? And I figure a lot of people in the government, maybe they're, they're into real estate. So they think, Hey, this is a cool thing to keep <laughs> us from paying taxes. You know, uh, right, so right. why, what, what advantage, why do they want people to keep doing this uh, cost say, how does it help? You know, how does it help the government? I don't know. That's that's a good question because I wonder the same thing, right? But <laughs> this is what I think. I think real estate makes the world go round, really, because when people buy homes, the plumber has a job, the electrician has a job, uh, all the county people have jobs because people are paying property taxes, surveyors, contractors, every, like it employs so many people when someone buys a house. I set up a short-term rental. I'm at Home Depot 10 times like for the whole weekend, driving back and forth, buying stuff at Home Depot, Walmart. So there's, it stimulates the economy when people buy real estate. So that's what I think happens. I fully agree. Cause I mean, if you're going to, the guy who's doing a cost segregation to get $40,000 back on his tax return, he's more than likely going to go buy some more real estate government right. that, you know, he know yeah. they know what type of mindset of individual they're dealing with. Now right. you go get into more debt, which now, of course, helps stimulate that economy. So yeah, right. I, I fully, I fully agree with that as well. Right, right, yep. And it's a loophole, right? I mean, like I said, I like politics aside, I don't give a shit with politics, right? I just like if Donald Trump wasn't paying taxes, 
I wasn't upset. I was like, well, what's he doing that I need to do? Right. That's that was my mindset, right? So <laughs> hey, I'm the same way. When they said he wasn't paying taxes, who's his CPA? <laughs> right. Let me call this dude. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this today because there was there was some famous uh this guy went to city council and he's like a, a small business owner in some city, I don't remember, whatever. And he's and he's like, and they're playing the the sad music in the background or, or the emotional music in the background. And he's and he's actually saying, please, you know, tax me more. I want to be taxed more so it can go and help the city and all this noble crap, you know. And I was like, dude, if you want to be taxed more, just pay them more taxes. Give them yeah. more taxes. Why you want us to get yeah. beat up in taxes, you know, or other small business people in your neighborhood, you know? Right. Why do you right. want them to go out of business because they're getting taxed to death? I mean, why? I'm just thinking you should sorry you should think like donald trump and i remember in that right. debate she, hillary mm-hmm. was like he has not paid taxes for five years or something like yeah. that and he and he said because that i'm smart, smart. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a perfect donald trump voice man because <laughs> i'm smart <laughs> but i mean i mean yes but it does i mean there is a a reason why they give these tax breaks is because it keeps uh, people, you know, building new, building more real estate, making more real estate, buying and renovating and, and then um, stimulating the economy. It makes sense. Right. So hopefully they don't um, take these loopholes away, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, what's crazy is that first short-term rental um, that we bought went up over $300,000 within two years. Mm. Um this is why you need to build systems and operations too. Um, this thing was cash flowing pretty strong. I didn't even know it because I was making double mortgage payments for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until my bookkeeper was like, "Hey, Alex, why did you make forty thousand dollars in extra payments to you know your mortgage company?" I'm like, "No, I didn't. What are you talking about? Like, I want my <laughs> money back." But I set up like my automatic bill pay through Wells Fargo, which was my bank at the time. Um, and then I even set up the automatic bill pay with the mortgage company. And here's the crazy thing. I didn't even feel it. You know, uh, I was making $2,600 extra payments and I didn't even feel it at the time. Mm. Uh, we we're just so focused. Um, but now we just did a cash out refinance. And mm. so that's why investing in stronger markets compared to Cleveland, Ohio, which is like a depressed market. It doesn't really go up that much versus these hot vacation markets that just jump through the roof. We did a cash out refinance and we like pocketed X amount of money. I was like, there's no way I could have worked at the hospital, make this a much amount of money in two years uh, working overtime or anything like that. So mm. I think that's where true wealth is built. Like really when your houses go up tremendously in, in value, when they're in strong markets, then you could do a cash out refinance or 1031 exchange and have more money to do to buy more real estate. So. Now, is, is the cash out refi a good idea right now with interest rates like seven, eight percent? Yeah. Remember, I filed bankruptcy at one point, so don't take my advice here. <laughs> so here's my take on it. Right. So it cost me about one hundred fifteen, one hundred twenty thousand dollars to purchase my first short term rental. Right. So and I have a three percent interest rate on it. Good for 30 years. I'm like, cool, I'm set. Right. And then my uh, lender comes up to me and she says, why don't we cash out $200,000 now and you don't have any money in the deal? And instead of the cap, the property cash flowing $5,000 a month, it'll cash flow $3,000 a month, but you'll have $200,000 with you mm. and you won't have any money in the deal. You pretty much have a free house. Like you pretty much did a burr. Mm. And people in commercial real estate do that all the time, right? And so anyway, now I have more money to deal with. 
to buy more properties that cash flow more and have more tax breaks. So for me and my situation, worked out great. Strategy. Yeah. It's always about strategy. Beautiful. And a question is on my mind is you went through bankruptcy. How are you setting up your business to, to bankruptcy proof it? What are you doing? What what measures are you putting in place that you didn't the first time? Are you putting things in LLCs? How are you how are you setting things up so you won't ever go bankrupt again? Yeah, probably not the smartest guy, right? So because everything's under my personal name right now, and we haven't done that part of it yet. Really, the reason why I filed for bankruptcy was because I wasn't cash flowing enough. And I just couldn't do it anymore. Like I was coming out $1,500 every single month just to cover the mortgage. But now the strategy is more so buying strong cash flowing assets to where we don't have to deal with that stuff. So that's really what it's been. Am I protecting myself adequately? Probably not. All I have is like a, a nice umbrella and a little bit more insurance than than most people. But other than that, that's all I have. So okay. now I have a question for you with you because I'm in the middle of a... Uh... I'm eventually in a couple year, year or two or so I'm going to start moving everything into different shell companies and whatnot. Now mm -hmm. you having everything in your personal name. Yeah. Um, aren't you, do you get the best tax breaks with it all in your personal name? Um, for me in my situation. Yes. For mine. I thought about it. you work a W2, yeah. right? I still work a W2. Uh, okay. 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 Go ahead. Yeah. I'm a high, like a good six figure income where I need to help offset my W2 income. So for me right now in, in my situation, it works right. And I, this is what I get all the time from uh, like, I work with extremely smart people. I work with doctors who are a hundred times smarter than me, but they never want to jump into a situation because they want to know everything, all the protection stuff. And with me, I'm kind of just reckless. I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to figure it out. So that's my personality. I kind of jump in there and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I do need to figure out the structure. Oh, okay, maybe over time I need to hire a VA. You know, so that's kind of my strategy. It's been just jump in there and then learn as you go. Um, so I'm in the same boat too. I'll probably, I'm probably going to start moving my stuff over into LLCs and to shelter stuff. I, it's not that I'm oblivious to it. It's just for me and my situation, it's working right now. See, and I'm happy you I'm happy you brought that up because that's the first thing most people who want to invest, oh, get LLCs for this, get LLCs. But it depends on your strategic situation. Like, you know, hey, I have this high income W-2, put it all in my personal so I can at least write some of this W-2 income off. So I'm happy you brought that up. So everyone get a real estate a CPA to help you out so they understand your unique situation because everybody's different. But yeah, go ahead, Steve. No, it's funny. I think you cracked the code because you're like these doctors, they care so much about their patients that they're not even trying to get into something like real estate or whatever. But I think I think you, you cracked the code when you said they're, they they overanalyze things out of fear. And I think a lot of it is they, you know, the lawsuits. I mean, the, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of lawsuits happen at hospitals. Right. So yeah. they got to have this um, expensive ass insurance to protect their mm -hmm. asses in case they, you know, cut off the wrong leg or something. Um, yeah. So so that's that might be playing into the mindset of, oh, I'm not going to risk getting a, a rental and a slip and fall. And then I, get, I lose yeah. everything. You know, I, I, I guess that that, that kind of sums it up right there. Yeah, by nature, they're very protective. They always want a waiver or, you know, sign off. Like if you're having surgery, you know, here, sign this consent. So that way, you know, we're protecting ourselves. They make people and sign I, their legs and shit, right? They make them, right. they make you, 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 they write it in the marker and then you write it in a marker to make sure that we're operating on the right leg. Right, it's right, crazy. <laughs> right, right. 
And I think there's all these, the questions I get, there's three words people always ask, but what if, like it starts off, but what if? It's like, but what if the market crashes? But what mm. if there's a party? But what if I get sued? But what if, but what if, but what if? There's all these but what ifs. And then I always flip it on them and I say, but what if it works out? Ah. That you got to really think about it. Because for me, it was extremely scary for me to invest in a short-term rental. At the time I was putting every single dollar I had we're in the middle of COVID. We didn't know whether the economy was going to fall off the side of a cliff. But from that, I learned a skill set. I was able to start a business. I was able to learn how to scale the business. My wife was able to retire in three short months. And now I'm inspiring others to do the same. There's so many other good benefits that come with it. But we always focus on the first but what ifs, all the negative but what ifs, mm. but focus on all the positives that can come with it. So. It, and not only focus on the positives, I'm so happy you brought that up, but what ifs, whatever you run into in life that you put yourself out to, out there for, the answer will come as soon as you hit that roadblock. And that's your learning experience. A lot of yes. people are afraid of the learning experience. Once you hit the, you can either look at it as a brick wall or a, or a roadblock. It's up to you. If it's just a roadblock, right. you can get through it. Brick wall, if you look at it as a brick wall, you're just going to be stuck there. But But what if? There's a way around. Always have the mindset, man. I love your mindset. Yeah, thanks. And remember, like I've been an awful investor. I've been scammed. I've had a bankruptcy. I've had a foreclosure. But to be honest with you, had I never gone through that, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. You know, what if those long-term rentals worked out and the tenant paid on time the whole time? I'd probably still be uh, a long-term rental landlord without that much cash flow. And so I had to go through all those tough times to get to where I'm at right now. So mm. imagine the guy going through a bankruptcy thinking it's all over. You can be that shining light. Whatever you go through, you can be the, you can be the guiding light for the next person, man. And it's awesome right. that you were able to go through that and keep it pushing. That's why I had to ask your mindset about how you just didn't throw it in the towel. You're like, forget it. Let's just keep going. You know, your grandparents were, you know, you saw your grandparents do it. So keep going. I love that. Yep. Yeah. We, we had another guy on the show that went through a bankruptcy also, you know, mm -hmm. and he came out of it and now he's in jail. So it worked out for, oh, I didn't. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, man. I hope it doesn't happen to me, Barry. I'm just saying, uh, I gave tax advice and I shouldn't have been given. <laughs> it ain't going to happen to you, bro. It ain't going to happen to you. Don't worry. Don't worry. We love you. If you're listening, we love you out there. Protect your, protect your, you know, parts. Um, so... <laughs> I love to derail the show. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> um, man, this has been a great episode. This has been a freaking phenomenal episode. I was gonna ask you some more things. What was I gonna ask you? I don't know. I forgot. Um, Micah, I was gonna tell Micah some advice. See, Micah, stop arbitraging and start buying. That's where it's at. <laughs> He's been saying That's that. All I do. <laughs> He's. <laughs> you ever yeah. thought of arbitraging, Alex? Yeah, that's a good question for him. I have. Yeah. You know, I have good friends making a killing doing it and I'm open to anything and everything out there. I live in Southern California. You know how many people travel here? I know so many people that arbitrage here in Southern California, but I'm just so scared. You know, I, I do need to figure that part of it out and I'm cool with that. You know, I'll figure that part of it out. But do I really need to? Right. Like yeah. I said, like you could really be financially secure and free with just a handful of short-term rentals and maybe you don't need to go through those headaches and maybe your goals are just to live comfortably and have this because now my goal is really like let's just help others along the way i have enough money to you know live my life 
And that, that is a good point, you know, cause like, do you need to arbitrage? I mean, you've been buying in vacation rental markets, you know, what's the point, you know? And, but if you do arbitrage, let me know, because I want to know what your mindset is towards arbitraging when you've been buying. Uh. Cause I know people's mindset of when they've been arbitraging to when they've been buying the people that I talk to and once they buy and they've been arbitraging, they were like, okay, forget this arbitrage thing to buy. Uh. So let me know your mindset. If you do it, hit me up, send me a DM, text me, yeah. let me know. Cause I really want to know someone's mindset on that. It's interesting. Cause I know so many people that buy that are like jealous of people arbitrage. We just need to all come together. Right. <laughs> I do both. So it's like, right. Right. But yeah. I, once I started buying the correct way, I was like, mm-hmm. I got to get out the arbitrage phase. Uh, yeah. That's what, it, that's what it was for me. Right. Yeah. What uh, one thing I and I I told my I said it on the show before that I do you know I do both as well I arbitrage uh, I buy you know properties and then I have my management uh, short term rental management company are just rentals you know showing out on mm-hmm. the show and so and so one one thing that's a big bonus for for being if you're gonna do arbitrage is getting a you know a nice place a nice location that you think is gonna make some money. And maybe in a market you're not quite sure about, right? You're not quite sure about this market. You think it's going to do good. You don't know. You get in there and and this arbitrage is fucking printing money, like ATM machine, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, okay, I'm going I'm to work with this owner and I'm going to buy this house from him. You know, it helps you get your foot in the door, get a relationship with this owner of this of this property. And then you can eventually buy the house or buy the one next door. Buy the Because it helps you do the the experimentation, the you know uh, trial and error. It helps you see if that market is viable, or if that even that block, that city, whatever, is viable for big mm-hmm. profits. And then you can it gets your foot in the door, and you can you can buy those properties. Right. Yeah. I think if I had advice for someone getting started <clears throat> and they don't have the money, um, definitely arbitrage, because uh, once you you start, then you and that's the thing. I I thought that the process was going to be a lot more difficult than I thought. Um, and surprisingly, I'm like, there's all these apps now that kind of help you along the way, automate the process. And now we have a virtual assistants that help you out. So the process winds up for me, for my personality, it wound up being easier. So mm. one thing on that about if you don't have money, here's one to think about. If you don't have money and you arbitrage, cause I, this one came to me the other day. If you don't have money and you arbitrage, you're going to have to spend some money to start it up. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you're probably going to use a credit card. Mm-hmm. What if you use those same credit cards to buy a house? Yeah, that's a lot that's, of credit cards, man. I, I know. Got bad, I got bad credit, so <laughs> I got a Costco card. That with the... You got bad? How do you have bad credit? You're a millionaire. Come on, man. No, no, no. You know, I made some bad decisions, you know, but, you know. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I was wondering if people have done that. Because I have heard of people buying houses off credit cards you know just doing a bunch of yeah. cash i was like damn man yeah God. i i heard someone who had like 500 grand in a credit card i'm like oh my god that to <laughs> me that scares me you know <laughs> man yeah, you could watch that credit that, that credit card away man whatever yeah they, they, they're <laughs> in it for the points i guess i don't know but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a points guy <laughs> <laughs> you oh, are yeah. okay yeah that's one thing I need to figure out. Like people always have all these uh, questions for me, like, oh, what credit card? I don't have all the answers, dude. I'm just figuring this out as I go, you know? Hey, here goes so, one for you. This is one, a quick tip for you if you want to like start saving money on your short-term rental business. Uh, get an Amazon business prime card that gives you 5% cash back. 
And then also, and then pay all your bills on a chase card. And what you do is it'll give you points for paying like your utilities. And then you go to Amazon to like order your restock stuff. It only works if you use Amazon to order your restock stuff. You can use the points and then the 5% cash back for whatever's not available on the points. And then you can use that to get 5% back. And then you can pay for all your restock stuff, get it virtually for free. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. All these little tips and tricks, man. It's crazy, dude. Yeah. You can get it for free. <laughs> like once you re eliminate your restock feet cost, and then the only thing you're really paying is cleaning, it really helps your business. Uh yeah. yeah. That's something I need to figure out too. Because we're about to fire a cleaner right now. And I'm like, okay, I found another cleaner that I really like, but she's like, Oh, but you gotta provide everything. I'm like, I don't want to provide you nothing, man. I want you to do everything, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I found figured that out. Uh, if you just have a true, like, cause I'm remote as well. And you're remote, have it like a true zoom interview and let them know mm-hmm. your expectations and what your company goals are. Mm-hmm. I've got a excellent cleaning team now that I've did that. These two are straight up killers and they've been doing a great mm-hmm. job. So yeah, man, that's tip for people on the cleaning side. Cause yeah, I going through cleaners is a pain. <laughs> yeah. <You're> pain. <laughs> yeah. Luckily this is probably the first one I'm going to fire here. I've been it's crazy out there in the South. Like, I think to me, like a handshake still means something out there. And so I go out there and I meet them. Here's another, like, okay. So they're big Tennessee volunteer fans, right? Mm. Uh, cleaners. And then, and just before they played Alabama versus Tennessee, I texted (laughs) my cleaners and I said, Hey guys, big college day game. I'm rooting for you guys. And I took a picture of me watching the game. Uh, You know, I'm like, I'm rooting for the Vols here. And yeah. then, like, you know, when they won, I said, you better be storming the field, man. I'm, uh, you know, I'm living through you, you know. So I create these, like, amazing relationships with them. It's really personal. And, you know, I haven't had a problem yet. So they beat Alabama. They took down the goalposts and then they walked down the city and threw them in the river. That's what? how they threw the <laughs> goalposts. Is that what they did? In the river. Yes. Oh it was crazy God. as shit. And then they just followed through. <laughs> they just walked them out of the stadiums and then threw the goalposts in the river. Yes, they didn't know what to do with it, huh? I'd put it in the short-term <laughs> rental, I guess, you know, put it in my backyard <laughs> for the experience shoot. <laughs> oh, man. Man. Awesome. Alex Sabio? Sabio? Sabio. 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 Yeah. Thank you so much for hopping on, dude. I'm glad I'm glad you came on. You you really opened our eyes to a lot of things, man. And, and uh, cost seg, I'm going to look into cost segregation. QR codes, man, that's a cool shit. Uh, you in the hot tub, uh, that was weird. But uh, <laughs> other than that, you know, but... <laughs> I'll send you the video, man. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm drinking already, so it's all good. Uh, <laughs> so healthcare, um, yeah, I, I love it, man. You, you cover so much stuff. And I'm gonna get with you on that uh, travel nurse house swap thing. We're gonna we're gonna make it happen, dude. We're gonna make it happen. We're gonna change the world. Uh, anything you'd like to add? Where can people find you? Well, I'm on Instagram a lot. If you, I'm under the real Alex Abio. Um, don't know why I chose that name, but um, <laughs> it sounds like a celebrity. Like there's another one. Or I like that. Right. And then uh, I'm on Facebook a lot under Alex Abio. I do have a, a community called Healthcare Professionals Investing in Real Estate. Uh, we host weekly meetups uh, where we teach people cost segregation analysis, and I'll have my tax person come on, and I'll have realtors from all over come on, uh, different people who've scaled. Uh, uh, anyway, different CEOs, I'll have them come on. But we have weekly meetups, so that's healthcare professionals investing in real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to have you join if uh, you guys are healthcare professionals, and uh, that's where I add a lot of value. So, 
Cool, brother. Thanks for hopping on, and we will see you next time. Hopefully, we'll do another episode with you, see how you're doing. And um, yeah, good luck. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. See you. See you. Man, another great episode, man. Another great episode. Learned a lot, man. He really drilled in some things that I want to do in the vacation rental space. Yeah, it was a really good episode, man. Uh, it's it's mind blowing, especially the uh, the CPA taxes thing. That's that's the most critical right there. The strategy you got to have a strategy, and yes, he sir. pays he pays no taxes. He's making all this freaking money and paying no taxes legally, paying no taxes. You know, and it, and it's just but he he and he said it. But you got to keep buying. You got to keep buying. You got to keep buying. And it's a good problem to have, I guess. You mm-hmm. know, and um, so he's out there looking for more deals every single year and does another cost segregation study and has all this money that he has got to go spend, you know, you don't want to be stuck with it. You got to go spend it on another deal and do the same thing, you know, watch rinse, repeat. I've, I've heard of this strategy and I know that millionaires and billionaires do it. Right. And so, um, so why can't we, right. And, and, and I, I love that dude. And, um, and he's just, he was probably the lowest he could be, you know, filing for bankruptcy and then coming back from that and just um, not quitting and persevering and, and just just being madly successful and doing it in southern california be like i can't be an investor in southern california you know blah blah, blah. Uh, everything's so expensive well he's doing it in smoky mountains he's doing it in Gulfstream, alabama he's doing it in other spots man so it's, it's no there's never any excuses and there's never a bad time to start or a good time to start it's always you can start anytime you know what i'm saying and well the well the good time to start is always so i don't know Yes, great sir, man great interview uh yeah i'm gonna I'm a connect with that guy he's he always says i'm not a smart the smartest dude you know i'm the smartest dude but he's being modest but that's what it is man if you if you do the right things you don't have to be the smartest dude you can surround yourself with the smartest people exactly what you're supposed to do mm. yes sir man that was a really good episode man i hope he i hope he does dive into arbitraging because i do want to see that different mindset of people who buy and then go to arbitrage if they like it, don't like it. And then the opposite, you know, I've already know the opposite. So yeah, that's a really, really good episode. Um, I hope everyone, the listeners, you guys really dove deep to understand the different market types because the strategy with short-term rental changes depending on the market you're in. We mainly talk metro market. The VR market is totally different space. And you can see how he's Killing it in that market, man. He's making a 50% cash on cash return in the Smokies. Think about that. He bought that house for 700 grand. That's insane. So, yeah, man, I hope uh, you guys learned a lot from that episode. And hopefully you guys uh, find a market and go kill it. Mm, No excuses, right, Micah? No excuses. Dream big. Yes, sir. Share B&B. That's Micah's company. Argest Rentals. That's my company. A-R-G-E-S-T Rentals. Hit us up. We're going to do some business together. We love you guys. Keep listening. Uh, live that thrive at gmail.com, live that thrive.com, all that fun stuff. Hit us up, leave some feedback, follow us, share us, like us, all that fun stuff. Yes, sir. Remember to hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. And we are out. Peace. Later. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live Let Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye bye.